Welcome back in Priority Talk Radio, Truth 101, WXJC. Greg Davis here with you, and uh, we're pleased to uh, have you making us part of your Friday evening. And uh, you're going to enjoy our conversation here as uh, Dr. Rod Marshall has entered the studio. And, of course, uh, we were just telling everybody before, Rod, before you got in here, now serving uh, over a decade now as president of the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. But uh, you've been with the organization much longer than that. January 1st will be 29 years. Wow. Wow. And I still don't have a radio voice, so I guess I'll keep that No, you're sounding fine. I I don't (laughs) either. I don't even know what that means anymore. But, uh, yeah, you know, first priority, I was 25 years. So you got 29. So I can relate to some degree. It's a long time. Yeah, it's been fun. You know, uh, you, you know what's going on we after tried that to. long. <laughs> <laughs> you got to know what's going on. Uh, just give the overview of uh, the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. Uh, been around a long time, but we'll get some of the history. But just just give folks the overview of, uh, of of who you are and what you do. Sure. So we were founded in 1891. Wow. So we're coming up on our 135th anniversary. Founded as a traditional orphanage. Uh, Founded in Evergreen, Alabama, and then we moved to Troy, Alabama in the 1920s. We were in Troy for several years, and again, what then was considered to be a state-of-the-art orphanage, working dairy farm, had several streams of revenue. Um, We began exploring moving into foster care uh, about 30 years ago, and we are now the state's largest faith-based private foster care agency. We have about 280 foster homes, and we will serve in any given year between 400 and 600 children in those 280 foster homes. Our goal is to serve 1,000 children by our 140th anniversary, which will be in 2031. In addition to our foster care ministry, we also have three homes for homeless mothers and their children. And where are those? One is in Mobile, and two are in the metro Birmingham area. Ladies can live in those homes for up to a year uh, with their children. They pay us $25 a month to be in those homes, and they work a job, and Mm -hmm. 30% of their income goes into a forced savings account. So at the end of that year, we've had a couple of ladies who've literally gone from homelessness to home ownership over the course of a year. And we count that as a real success because those are fragile families, and mm-hmm. we're able to keep those kids out of the foster care system, yeah. keep them with their biological parents, and we count that a real victory. We also have a college care program, and this year we have six kids in college. If a child completes high school while in our care, we will contract with them and walk alongside them as they move into the next stage of their life, hmm. whether that be college, trade school, military or even a career. Uh, We don't believe in the concept of aging out of foster care. We are those kids' family and we're their family as long as they need us to be their family. And then finally, we have Pathways Professional Counseling, which is a counseling ministry with over 20 locations across the state, highly qualified, trained professional counselors. The best, that's where where I refer people to. And they work Um, from a Christian worldview. Yeah, absolutely, Um, yeah. So they are well-trained, well-educated. They stay current on the trends in the field, uh, but you can have confidence that they're going to work Mm -hmm. consistent with a Christian perspective, though they serve many families that are not Christian, and we're happy to serve those families as well. And you really helped launch that, didn't you? 
I was hired in 1995, the first professional counselor hired by the Children's Home. And so for 17 years, I served with Pathways Professional yeah. Counseling. Um, and then when Paul Miller, who was my predecessor, chose to retire, uh, I was honored by the board when they asked me if I would step into the president's role. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing for a little over a decade now. Yeah, well, you know, as a pastor, as a minister, you know, sometimes people would come to me for counseling, you know, want to talk. And sure. I, I don't mind sit, visiting with people, but I don't even go to myself for counseling. So, you <laughs> well, know, it, I, Pathways is where I would send them. Most, I mean, you know, I would say, call Pathways. Let's get you connected there. That's going to be the best best you're going to get. Most pastors really do have the temperament and personality to be very effective counselors. Mm -hmm. They oftentimes don't have the time. Yeah. And oftentimes counseling gets more involved than you expected it to be more quickly than you thought it would. Sure. I've seen many cases where a pastor has provided really sound counseling to a family, but once that family moves past the crisis, they become uncomfortable being in that church That's because exactly the pastor knows right. too much. That's exactly right. And so we're able to provide that service to pastors. They can refer to us with yeah. great confidence. Uh, and not have to get quite as involved yeah. with what's going on with that family yeah. so that they can continue to minister to that family in other ways that are also really important. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. That, I didn't know if that was a common thing or not, but <laughs> I've seen that uh, myself personally, and I know other, I've had that discussion with other right. pastors that that does happen because uh, when they're in desperate situation, it's like whatever, but then once they get past that, they kind of go, this is yeah, he knows too much. uncomfortable was the right <laughs> word, you know, and it's just kind of, and so I've seen it, I've seen it happen where they get through their problems and they were, you know, they were in church, but maybe had family issues and then they get past them sort of, and then they get uncomfortable with, with being around because they know too much and then they wind up dropping out of church Yeah, and yeah. they don't go find another church right. you know, or get involved anywhere. They just kind of slip away and, and you know and I then think, they're typically going to wind up back in issues again with if that's the case and and i think part of part of that it's a dimension of spiritual warfare mm -hmm. um, i think when a pastor or a church is really responding in relevant practical ways to families that are in crisis that gets satan's attention sure and he amps up the attack spiritually of that family of that pastor of that yeah. church and so if we can provide a buffer um so that we we shield the pastor from the fiery darts yeah. launched by the accuser. Yeah. We're happy to do that. Yeah. And there's 20 locations now around the Over state? Over 20 locations across wow. the state. And we've yeah. uh, since COVID, we have had really good experience with doing virtual counseling, something I never thought we would do. Really? Uh, but we kind of had to in 2020 and found that it actually has some real merit. Um, and so we've been able to provide those services as well. Mm. Well, very neat. Rod Marshall with the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and family ministries uh, visiting with us. And we want to encourage you to support uh, the ministry. Uh, AlabamaChild.org slash radio is where you want to head. And uh, they've got it really set up on there very easily, Rod. So, uh, you know, people can give uh, $40, and that provides kind of like a day of, uh, of care. Really. That's right. For every child we take into care, we do get a board payment from the state. In addition to that board payment, we have to raise $40 a day for every day of care provided to every child. We're wow. happy to do that. We've sure. discovered that Christians in Alabama are so remarkably generous and so incredibly concerned about the plight of the fatherless child uh, that fundraising is not our biggest challenge. Hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's the, great. <laughs> well, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's it, you got to work hard at it, 
uh, to do it. But if but when people see the need, yeah. that we're a very generous state. I think among the most generous in the country, I if think not that the is most. True. I've seen stats on that before. I can't quote them, but I've seen where Alabama is definitely a, a very generous and giving uh, community, certainly. Um, so those are kids that they get to you as for, for foster care, basically, and uh, you wind up taking them into one of the homes. Is that is that sort of the, the pace well, on that? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we've got about 280 foster homes across the state, so these are just in people's houses. And They're how, community-based. Okay. So even that $40 helps those kids? That's correct. Okay. Now, we do have some campus foster homes that yes. we used to use as group homes. Um, we have several of those across the state, but the vast majority of the children in our care are in community-based foster homes. Okay. The group homes, are, I remember coming up, we would go and visit those sure. and maybe go over there and do work or right. you know, hang out with kids and just, you know, children's group you know, or youth group and that kind of thing. I remember doing that coming up with the yeah. Alabama Baptist Children's Home. And that was a strong part of our ministry. We certainly did not walk away from that, but we can provide a lot more care to a lot more children for less money to money in our community-based foster homes. Yeah, absolutely. So we do both. Yeah. Well, is fatherlessness really the the big issue that is causing uh, so many kids? Because we're we're going to talk about foster care. I want to after we take a break. I want to come back and really go into that. But is it fatherlessness? Is that is that sort of the well? Alabama, as you said, is one of the most charitable states, one of the most religious states in the country one of the most Christian, if not the most Christian state in our nation. In 2021, 46.4% of the children born in Alabama were born to unwed mothers. Now, that's not to say that every one of those children is going to be in a fatherless home, Um, but those children are born into families that are more fragile and more subject to spiritual attack Mm -hmm. and more responsive to societal crises. And when that happens, it's oftentimes the children who are most vulnerable. Almost all the children in foster care are coming out of a home where there's not a strong father figure. Uh, And many times there's no father figure at all present in those homes. Mm. Um, Now, I've seen those kind of numbers for national. I had not seen the heard the Alabama number, though. Yeah, that's the 2021 number. 2021, 46.4. That's correct. Were born uh, to unwed mothers. That is correct. Wow. And we think of that when we hear that, we think about teenage pregnancy, Mm -hmm. unplanned pregnancy. A lot of those are adults. Sure. Um, Well, it's more common now for people to have a baby and then get married later, but they'll always get married, but but that's more common than it used to be. It is. If you got pregnant, you got married, then you you got married quick and had the baby. Now they'll have the baby and might be two or three years later on down the road. Or never. Or never, possibly. Um, But if they do, it may be sometime later but when that happens and especially when that happens in the christian community those families are fragile Mm -hmm. and need a lot of care yeah um if a christian couple chooses to live together without marriage that can be indicative that one of the individuals has some doubts about that relationship Um, and if then they conceive a child still having doubts about that relationship um, it just creates a more fragile family hmm. yeah and that's not good for anybody but it's especially not good for the children yeah yeah well forty dollars a day you can help uh, Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries uh, meet needs 
for these children who uh, come to them in very volatile situations uh, to help provide a, a place for them to be and uh, help find them a, a foster home. And I want to talk more about the foster crisis, really, in our state. And that's a shame, uh, but we're getting to the reasons for it, right. some of the reasons. Uh, and so we'll continue that conversation when we come back. Uh, can we encourage you to support Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries? AlabamaChild.org slash radio. Head over to the website, and they've got it set up really easy where you can just make that $40 donation or $80 donation. Real simple uh, and uh, easy to do, and we encourage you to support the good work they're doing with Rod Marshall leading there now, uh, leading the ministry now for over a decade and been there for 29 years. Almost. That's good, that's good <laughs> stability. All right, let's take a break. Bottom of the hour. We'll come right back on the other side, more with Rod Marshall, talking Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. I want to get into this foster crisis when we come back on the other side. And we welcome you back in Priority Talk Radio right here on Truth 101 WXJC. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate you listening in. And hey, let me continue to encourage you to uh, check out, get involved, ifmypeoplewillpray.net. Now that's a, um, a multi-city, multi-location event on Sunday, October 1st. That will begin at 5 p.m., uh, with some worship time, and then 6 p.m., a, uh, a serious call to prayer will be given. And so uh, going to be happening in states and really even in other nations, but it all kind of happened organically coming right here out of our area in Alabama, ifmypeoplewillpray.net. Please go over and check the website out. If you're a praying person, uh, join with others in prayer October 1st, uh, just coming up soon. Uh, so we want you to check that out. All righty, uh, we're visiting with Rod Marshall with Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries, alabamachild.org slash radio. You can go there and uh, make a $40 donation, sponsor a day for a child or, or a couple of days if you'd like. Uh, but uh, that really makes a big difference uh, for them to uh, help out children and families who are in uh, really uh, volatile situations. And uh, there's a lot of them out there. Now, Rod, we've talked about it uh, here over numerous times even recently about the need uh the, the well the great need of, of foster care because we've got so many children that are just in uh in flux and they need a, they need a good place to be a, a good home whether temporarily very short term maybe longer term it just depends talk to us about it though right here in alabama so right here in alabama uh i don't want to bore you with statistics but let's talk we a need little to bit hear them. about no, our state so our state's population is 5.2 million people, and 86% of those folks self-report that they're Christians. 86. 86%. Wow. So that's 4.3 million Christians. Okay. But if we just talk about evangelical Protestant Christians, okay. uh, that's 49% of our state. So that's 2.45 million evangelical Protestant Christians. 2.45 million of us mm -hmm. would say that we believe Scripture to be infallible mm -hmm. and authoritative. If the mm -hmm. Bible says we must do it, we must do it. Mm -hmm. So in a state with 2.45 million Christians, we have 6,000 children in foster care. So that shouldn't be a problem for 2.45 million people to take care of 6,000 kids. Mm -hmm. Yet, in Alabama, we have 6,000 children in foster care, but we only have 2,500 licensed foster homes. So we have more than double the number of children than we do families who are willing to care for those children. So that's what, um, 
not even what maybe one percent of the homes or something like that it maybe? is one third of one yeah. percent of evangelical homes. protestant christian homes yeah so we don't need 50 percent of christians to become foster homes mm. we don't need 20 percent. we don't need 10 percent. even one percent less than one <laughs> percent yeah if one out of every hundred christians yeah. believe that when james says true religion is to care for the widow and the orphan in their distress yeah. and they became foster families we would run out of families before we ran out of kids in need of those families. Mm-hmm. Um, those statistics were true before Roe v. Wade was overturned. And they're going to be even more now. So I suspect, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The, yeah. the, the, no, the question, the answer to that question is maybe. Uh, is, it going to, is the crisis going to be worse? Maybe. I've had pastors ask me, are we going to have a foster care crisis? And that answer is no. We're not going to have a yeah. foster care crisis. We are in the midst of a foster care crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any excuse for a fatherless child in the state of Alabama to be placed in a home where they do not see and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and have the author of hope touch their life and restore hope to that child and potentially to that family. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, those children go back to a relative placement. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, the purpose of our ministry is to protect, nurture, and restore children and families through Christ-centered services. And we celebrate when families are restored. We celebrate when moms get their kids back or grandparents get to raise their grandkids. That's a good day when that happens. Yeah. Uh, but let's make sure that when that child goes back, they are bringing with them knowledge of the author of hope, uh, of God, who can turn that family's yeah. mourning into laughter and dancing. Um, the families we care for are experiencing significant hopelessness, and we can't do a thing about that except we can introduce them to the very author of hope who can radically change their lives. Yeah. And that's the only solution for these families. That's the only, Spiritual awakening is the only solution to every societal problem sure. we're facing. that's right. And that is certainly true in foster care. Yeah, wow, that's uh, staggering, quite honestly. Uh, you said these kids are fatherless, and, and it looks like all kinds of different things. But what what are the circumstances that lead to children needing a foster home? There can be several. Yeah. The most common is parental substance abuse, either alcohol or drugs. Yeah. Um, neglect, abuse, any type of abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Um, there can be families that are nearly faultless. Um you might have a single mom who has some kind of life-threatening disease that requires significant and long-term treatment who cannot care for that child during that time, mm-hmm. and foster care might be a solution uh, for that brief period. Uh, domestic violence can be a reason that a child is removed from a home because it's deemed not to be a safe place. I do want to make really clear that the Baptist Children's Home never takes kids away from their family. That is the determination of the state and civil authorities. We're just here to take care of the kids who, for whatever reason, can't live with their biological families. Mm -hmm. And we want to get that child back with that biological family as soon as it's safe for them to be returned. And if for some reason it's determined that it's not safe for them to go back, we want to provide stability by finding an adoptive family for that child. How does that work? The, the state says, hey, this child doesn't need to be in the home. They, that's their job. That's correct. How, do they, how does that relate to – how does that get to you guys? 
Well, again, the state has 6,000 children in care mm-hmm. and 2,500 foster homes. They are eager for they're, assistance. They're looking for anybody that providing can help them homes find for homes. those kids. Okay. Now, we oftentimes are on the top of their list because our foster parents do a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that if a child comes into our care, they'll be well cared for, they'll be well fed, they'll have structure, they'll have warmth, they will be loved deeply, they'll be deeply involved in school activities, in church activities, they will just blossom while they're in our care. Um, And oftentimes that can change the trajectory of not only that child's life, but of that family's life. I got an email from a mom not too long ago, biological mom of two boys who are in one of our foster homes, expressing her appreciation for the change that she's seeing in the lives of her children. Wow. Um, she said they wanted to listen to Christian music when they were in her car on a family visit. They wanted to pray before meals. They prayed for their parents when they prayed before meals. And she was so convicted by what was happening in the lives of her children that she made the comment that when her children come back home, they will find a church and they will be a church-going family. Mm. Um, we love to see families restored. We love to see families experience hope. Yeah, yeah. Forty dollars a day can uh, care for a child. You can help at alabamachild.org/radio. And while you're on our website, learn more about us. Sure. Uh, it's, oh yeah. It's not just us asking for forty dollars. No, uh, it's all there. Find out what we do. Find out where we do it. Uh, there are many services available. Find out how you can plug yeah. in and get involved as a volunteer. There's a lot of things yeah. that you can do. To help well, reverse the tide. The forty dollars a day is for kids. those who maybe aren't in a position to bring a child into their home, but but this is a way you can participate. You know, we all have a role in this, and probably most all the people listening to us would say they're pro-life. And I've I've been saying for a long time there's more to being pro-life than just being against abortion, and this this is pro-life. Absolutely. I mean, th- this is part of the pro-life movement, and so you know we're we're not really having abortions in our state, uh, not legally anyway. Uh, unfortunately, women are finding the uh, uh, the chemical pills are being mailed in. We're trying to stop that, uh, but uh, but women are uh, you know children are, are in need, and for if you can't bring one into your home, you say that ah, I'm not there, can't do that, whatever. But a forty dollar donation is, is can play a big role in this. And 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 for those opponents of abortion who whose talking point is oftentimes that we don't care about the child once it is born, that's simply not true. Uh, Again, a faith-based provider is the largest private provider of foster care services in our state. Many of those kids are newborns, um, and we take care of them until they can go back to their family if they're able to go back to their family. No, you definitely hear that. Oh, you don't care about them after they're born. And that's not true. That's not true because there's millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and uh, sweat and tears and life and time and investment put into these children uh, after they're born when the need is so great. Uh, now, you guys, you have opportunities. I don't know if you came prepared to talk about those, but I hope so, uh, where people can come and learn more about being a foster parent. We say we need more. How do you find out more about being one? Absolutely. It's called TIPS Classes, Trauma-Informed Parent Screening. It's a 10-week class, three hours a week, uh, so 30 hours total, and you learn everything about the foster care system, and you really find out if this is what God's calling you to do or if this is not what God's calling you to do, maybe there's another way that you're going to support foster care. We provide those classes all across the state. We have eight locations currently, and so we are offering TIPS classes all across the state. Currently, we have 57 families being trained to become foster parents. 
We anticipate that not all of those will uh, complete the home study and complete the process, but they'll serve in other ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're learning how they could be a respite family, how they could volunteer with us, how they could be a volunteer babysitter, how they could um, partner with a foster family to support that family specifically. So there's a lot of ways families can be involved. I would imagine a church can could host one of these absolutely is that all the way you do it all of those are hosted in churches yeah so church and people in your church of course will get very involved but people will come from other churches or just in the community and your your church can kind of become a hub of some of that to come and learn more and to uh, be trained and look all of this is at their website alabamachild.org they answer questions how do children come into care where do the children live how much does it cost who can be accepted i mean answer all the questions uh, for you uh, on a on a you know on a brief level and then uh, the trainings you'll learn much more and be able to answer all the questions and all of that uh, and and you don't it's Alabama Baptist Children's Home but you don't have to be Baptist we'll make nope, that clarification <laughs> in fact we have two new resources fairly new resources if there's a pastor out there who wants to know more about how they can engage their church in foster care call us or email us and we have an information packet we'll give to pastors with a calendar of what to do when to get their church involved in foster care, mm-hmm. outlines for sermons, prayer requests, handouts, church bulletins. It's kind of a one-stop shop of everything you need to start a, start a foster care ministry in your church. I can't imagine a, a, a more genuine thing to do than that. Like you said, you already quoted James. Very I gospel. Mean, yeah, it's, that's it. There, I can't think of anything more a church could do. Let me go back to the Baptist part, though, because uh, you guys work way beyond that. But uh, just explain the Baptist uh, connection there. So we are an entity of the Alabama Baptist State Convention. Our board is elected by the Baptist State Convention. About 30% of our funding comes from churches. The majority of those churches are Alabama Baptist churches. Um, we are proud of our identity as a Baptist entity. We're proud of our heritage as a Baptist entity. Um, We work closely with the Baptist State Convention on pro-life issues, on uh, foster care, Mm -hmm. um, and we're just happy to serve our state denomination. However, um, we license evangelicals from all stripes. Uh, We have Methodist foster homes. We have Presbyterian foster parents. We have a, I even know of one Episcopalian foster family. We Mm -hmm. have many non-denominational foster parents. Uh, we try our best to take really good care of our foster parents. The One of the hardest things for foster care ministries is people feel compelled uh, to go through the training, to go through the home study, to become a foster family. But the system can be so overwhelming that oftentimes they take one placement. It'll last 6, 8, 12 weeks. And then when that placement ends, they say, well, we're never going to do that again. Uh, We have foster families who have served for decades because the level of support they get from us, we're we're kind of a one-stop shop for Mm -hmm. foster care. We do the screening, we do the training, we do the recruiting, we do the home study, and then you're assigned a caseworker. And that caseworker is not likely to change throughout your entire time of serving with the children's home. Unfortunately, in a lot of counties, um, the foster care system is overwhelmed. The frontline caseworkers have a really, really high turnover rate. There's a lot of vacancies. Mm. Um, So it is not unusual for a foster family to have four, five, six caseworkers over the course of a year or two years. That makes it harder. 
And so our foster families are likely to have one person that they get to know pretty well uh, that walks alongside them and knows the child's name and knows the child's birthday and knows the child's favorite color and favorite flavor of ice cream and what they want to be when they grow up and their favorite TV show and their favorite subject in school. Sure. So they really get involved in their lives and in the lives of the foster families. Yeah. And tell the numbers again. How many you guys have currently? Currently we have 20, uh, 280 foster families. Our goal is to have 600 by the year 2031. Yeah. This year we anticipate serving between four and 600 children, and we would like to be serving 1,000 children a year. We would love to see other ministries accept the challenge to also serve 1,000 children a year. There are enough Christians in the state that we could realistically and not with great difficulty uh, invite the state to allow us to take care of all the kids that are in need of care. Sure. Oh, well, that would be the, uh, the best case scenario, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, Rod Marshall uh, with the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. Uh, you'll see their website at alabamachild.org. And if you'd like to uh, make a donation, slash radio alabamachild.org slash radio and we'll put that in our social media and our show notes so if you're out driving around on this friday evening uh, don't stress uh, just go back and, and find it there at all of our uh, points of contact with you all right let's take a break and come back rod's a, always got a, a story or two can you tell us a story or absolutely. two absolutely i know you got plenty of them so uh, we'll take a break and come back right on the other side it's priority talk radio right here on truth 101 wxjc and we're back in and uh, finishing up our time with Rod Marshall with the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. And uh, Rod, let's let's be a little bit more clear. Uh, if churches want to, we talked about them getting involved from a foster standpoint. You know, and hosting a training and letting using their you know their facilities as a hub uh, for people to come and learn more. But uh, they can also just get involved financially, can't they, and support you? Absolutely. And there's another way they can get involved that we've recently started. We call it our Brace Program. Okay. So if a church has a foster family in that congregation, we can come to that church and train them how to best support that foster family by bearing with them, which is the B embrace, Mm -hmm. becoming a respite provider. We can train families in that church to be respite parents so the foster parents can get a break, to appeal in prayer and teach them how to specifically pray for foster families. Foster care is a roller coaster spiritually and emotionally. It's up and down. They need a lot of prayer how to cater to their needs. Uh, Some families, if you've got, we had a family recently that got triplets and their Sunday school class said, you will never buy diapers. Yeah. Uh, We're going to provide every diaper those triplets ever need. And finally, to encourage consistently those families. So if a church has a foster family in their congregation, we would love to come train them on how they can best support those families. That's good because when I was pastoring, we we had families that did. And uh, that's really good because that would have been – we did some of that stuff, but we could have done a better job if we organized. It, it happens organically, but yeah. we can help make sure that you're checking all the boxes. That's right. So that family feels fully supported. No, that's really, really good. Okay, and, and ha- that's how to get involved and support those. And, uh, you know, we would we would even take offerings, you know, to help the sure. families that had children in their home because they take on a lot of extra expense yeah. as well. I got a letter from a state DHR worker one time, and she was applauding one of our foster parents and the great job that foster parent had done. And in her letter, she said, it really takes a village. Mm. And I understand what she meant by that, and I don't mm-hmm. disagree with her. Yeah. But I would argue it really takes a church. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, it, it's not a village. The village has failed the kids. Yeah. Um, a church can respond to that family in such a way that that child 
knows they're loved, and that can change that child's life. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's all there, alabamachild.org. We hope you'll go there and check it out. And uh, Rod, every time I'm with him, he's he's telling a story that just <laughs> tears me up. So uh, no no pressure. But if you tell us a story about nope, a kid, no pressure. Thanks. Yeah, tell us a story though about a kid that's so uh, we had two recently. two brothers who came into foster care. Uh, they were there mostly because their mother had a pretty long history of opioid dependence and abuse. Mm-hmm. And one night, uh, the foster parent made it a point every night at bedtime they prayed for their mother. Never failed. And one night, one of the children just seemed especially urgent and asked, can we pray for my mother again? Can we pray for my mother again? And so they prayed for his mother multiple times that night. The next day, we get a a very sad and disturbing phone call that their mother had been murdered the night before. Wow. And she was murdered in a public park in one of the larger towns in Alabama. She had a long history of drug abuse, drug addiction. I'm certainly not going to say the police were not very interested in investigating her homicide, but most people were going to go to the conclusion that she had relapsed and it was a drug deal gone bad. But the toxicology screen came back and she was completely clean, no drugs in her system. So they began to investigate a little more um, aggressively. And what they found out was that one of this lady's former drug buddies, they'd run into each other think in a grocery store and she had told them that she was attending a church that had a recovery program a celebrate recovery program and it had changed her life and invited him to go with her and he said he was interested in that could she give him a ride and as they went she said look he said I need to stop at this park I need to see somebody and when they got to the park he did in fact murder her and stole her car stole her wallet Um, but she did not die in a drug deal gone bad she she really died as a martyr. Uh, she was there sharing the gospel with wow. someone who desperately needed to hear the gospel. And unfortunately, they didn't hear it and instead took her life to advance their own agenda. Those boys began to pray for their mother's family, and they began to pray for their father, who they had never met. Um, surprisingly, their father's parents, their paternal grandparents, found out that the boys were in foster care and they began to get involved in those boys' lives. And ultimately, those boys were able to live with their father's parents. They began to have a relationship with their father who wasn't a bad guy. He had made some bad choices, but he cared for his children deeply. He just didn't know what to do. Um, So those boys are now teaching their dad how to pray, Mm -hmm. uh, living with their grandparents who loved them very much. Of course, they miss their mother, but they are beginning to understand the context in which their mother lost her life um, and that she really was putting her life on the line to share the gospel with someone who desperately needed to hear the gospel. Wow. See, he did it again. (laughs) (laughs) How you do that every time? Oh, my goodness. I call my social workers and I say, what's going on? Yeah. Greg, it's so amazing. If you work at the children's Mm. home, you can become miracle blind because the miracles happen so often. You just think it's every day until you step back and really look at what's happening in the lives of these children and families and the mighty miraculous acts that God is performing in the lives of these children. um, There's no other explanation other than miraculous. And we see it every day. It's really a privilege to serve there and a privilege to serve with the team I serve. They are fantastic social workers best foster parents in the world um 
making a huge difference in the yeah. lives of many children in Alabama. How many people do you guys have on staff now? What, what sort right of right at a hundred yeah. statewide? Yeah, so it's a large organization. It is a large organization with lots of moving parts. Yeah, uh, the largest it, faith-based uh, foster placement in in our state. In the state, that's correct. They're doing more of it than anybody. Uh, if, if there's a day that I'm at work and I'm bored, it's my fault. Because <laughs> there's always something good to do and something productive to do and something that benefits the children in our care. Yeah, and I've, I've been really encouraging people to give more so than you have. But if, tell them if they go to the website, people may have just joined us, $40. $40 a day will pay for a day of care for a foster child. So you can go to www.alabamachild.org slash radio. Mm-hmm. It's a real simple yeah. platform for you to give. You can become a monthly giver, a regular giver, what we call our Hero Society. Um, if you are interested in talking to someone about how to design your estate in such a way that the kingdom impact of your estate lives well past your own physical life, we've got great partners at the Baptist Foundation of Alabama that we'd love to put you in touch right. with to help with that. Good. Um, there's a lot of ways you can help. Yeah. Uh, plenty of ways and they'll make it as easy for you as it can possibly be if the Lord prompts your heart to get involved alabamachild.org slash radio alright Rod always a pleasure my friend great thank you so much for uh, having me we'll have to do it again soon sometime I would love that it's been a delight alrighty everybody hang on we'll be right back for hour number two